This is Unmind with Great Cloud Michael Elliston Roshi. Heart Sutra Quartet Number Four Prajna Paramita Mantra Prajna means wisdom. Paramita, perfecting. Mantra, something else. The fourth and last section of the Heart Sutra concludes on a more formal note, simply stating and restating the central place of the perfecting of wisdom in Buddhism as the mother of all mantras. Therefore know the Prajnaparamita as the great miraculous mantra, the great bright mantra, the supreme mantra, the incomparable mantra, which removes all suffering and is true, not false. From a quick online search, we find that the term mantra stems from the Sanskrit root man, literally meaning a thought, the thought behind speech or action related to mind, a word or sound repeated to aid concentration in meditation. In modern parlance, it has come to indicate any statement or slogan repeated frequently. In this context, however, it takes on a transcendental, almost magical meaning. In other words, something else. This mantra is great, miraculous, bright, supreme, and incomparable when compared to all others. It calls to mind the line toward the end of Xinxing Ming, trust in mind. No comparisons or analogies are possible in this causeless, relationless state. This worshipful adulation begs the question, what is so great about the perfecting of wisdom? How is it miraculous? What about it is bright, supreme, and incomparable? Of course, with the caveat that these are English translators' choices for ancient terms in Sino-Japanese, Sanskrit, or even Pali, the near-extinct language said to be spoken by Buddha himself. In his time, there may have been many such mantras chanted for their mystical powers from other sects and religious belief systems. The Sanskrit word dharani, which is also sometimes used, means, according to Wikipedia, a dharani is a Buddhist chant mnemonic code, incantation, or recitation, usually a mantra consisting of Sanskrit or Pali phrases, believed to be protective and with powers to generate merit for the Buddhist devotee, they constitute a major part of historic Buddhist literature. These chants have roots in Vedic Sanskrit literature. 
So this construction may derive from an even earlier language, from the pre-Hindu period when Vedic praxis was predominant in India. Buddha is sometimes referred to as a reformer who revitalized some of the Vedic practices. In many cases, he is clearly using contemporary memes and tropes of the prevailing Hindu context to broach palliative or corrective concepts that differentiate his findings from the received wisdom of the time. Attributing incomparable to the Prajnaparamita mantra is then understandable in this context. The closing line asserting that this mantra is true, not false, amongst all the many mantras and dharanis extant at that time, clarifies the claim of its incomparability. Compared to all the others, this one, quote, relieves all suffering, where they may only relieve a physical or medical malady or a particular piece of bad karma. Even superstitions, such as a curse, Master Dogen uses the term spell in his translation of Hanya Haramitsu, which indicates the relatively magical and mystical nature he attributed to its meaning of the last stanza. Therefore we proclaim the Prajnaparamita mantra, the mantra that says, Gate gate para gate para samgate bodhisvaha. The untranslated mantra is presented in the original language or in phonetic form rather than translated, as the very sounds are considered to have this power of transformation. Dharani has the connotation of a vessel or container that can carry us to the other shore of nirvana, over the ocean of samsara, floating on the raft of the Buddha's teachings. But Master Dogen makes the point that actually we do not go to the other shore. The other shore comes to us. Our charge in Zen is to realize no separation of samsara and nirvana. Samsara is ordinary everyday life with all its homeliness and suffering. Nirvana is regarded as complete liberation, but it is not imagined as being another realm, another dimension or universe. There is only one place, just as there is only one practice in Zen. This mantra, the perfecting of wisdom, is like the open-ended vow to save all others, or better, to help all others save themselves, the bodhisattva vow. It is said that when we really take this vow to heart, endless rebirth opens up before us. How many beings are there? How long is it going to take? Where do we start? These are the questions begged by a literal interpretation of the vow. The bodhisattva path of Zen is one of action. When asked about engaged Zen, Matsuoka Roshi would assume the Zazen posture, 
declaring, this is the most you can do. The most we can do for someone else is to share the Buddha Dharma, no matter how inadequate our own grasp may be. While we do not proselytize, when people come to Zen to learn about it, we share the Dharma, primarily by teaching Zen's method of manifesting and understanding it. Much like teaching music, dance, or art, what can be taught is the method. A talented teacher can walk us through the basics of playing an instrument, but they cannot teach us music, or for that matter, any of the arts and sciences. The realization of art or scientific insight comes about as a natural turning point, usually only after a great deal of repetition in training. It is worth touching on some of the living ancestors cited in the Busarai, the names of the Buddhas and ancestors, who protected and nurtured this face-to-face teacher-student transmission and kept it intact down to us today. Shiki Butsu Dayo Sho Mi Shafu Butsu Dayo Sho Kurasan Butsu Dayo Sho Kunagon Muni Butsu Dayo Sho Kasho Butsu Dayo Sho Butsu means Buddha or fully enlightened one, and Dayo Sho means great and authentic. After these five prehistoric Buddhas, we come to the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni, sage of the Shakya clan, from some 2,500 years ago. He had no teacher in recorded history, though the tradition is that he practiced with the prehistoric Buddhas. Hence, as the founder or historical discoverer of this insight, Buddha is not counted as an ancestor in the enumerated lineage. It begins with his immediate successor, Mahakashapa, here rendered in the Japanese pronunciation. Shakyamuni Butsu Daiosho Makakasho Daiosho Ananda Daiosho. Note that Buddha's successors, beginning with Mahakashapa and including Ananda, who may be more familiar to you as Buddha's interlocutor in some important sutras, are not referred to as Butsu, but only Dayosho. Halfway through the Indian transmission, we find Nagarjuna, number 14, from Buddha, here with a longer pronunciation. Precisely 14 ancestors later, the famous Bodhidharma, the 28th ancestor who is credited with bringing the direct practice of Zazen to China, where it became known as Chan Buddhism, again in Japanese pronunciation. Kanchi Sosan, 30th in line, perhaps better known in Chinese pronunciation, Sung San, 
is the author of Xin Xing Ming, Trust in Mine, the first piece of liturgy from China in the Soto Zen service. Following in short order, we find Dai Kaninno Dai Osho Seigen Kyoshi Dai Osho Seikito Kisen Dai Osho. Number 33, Dai Eno, otherwise known as Huinang, is perhaps the most famous of the Chinese lineage, the founder of the so-called Sudden School, based on his awakening experience without benefit of a teacher or any formal training, the only individual in history like Buddha in this regard. His teaching, the Platform Sutra, uniquely amongst the ancestors, is referred to as sutra, owing to this anomaly. Number 35, Sekito Kisen, is the author of the second Chan poem chanted in Soto liturgy, namely Sando Kai, Harmony of Sameness and Difference. A few generations or so later we find Tozan Ryokai Tozan is the To in Soto Zen, credited with its founding in China, along with one of his students, Sozan, the Soul, though Ungo Doyo is listed in our lineage as his successor. Tozan, more commonly known as Dongshan, is the author of the third and final Chan poem, chanted in the Soto liturgy, Hokyo Zammai, Precious Mirror Samadhi. Now we jump a few generations to the end of our Soto lineage in China with Tindo Nyojo Daiosho Dogen Daiosho. Here we find in 51st and 50th place, respectively, Ehei Dogen, founder of Soto Zen in Japan, and his teacher, Tindo Nyojo, also known as Rujing. It should also be pointed out that Master Dogen, in Japanese rendered as Dogen Zenji, had a double lineage, first from Rinzai in Japan, as well as later in China from Soto. On the silk certificate, called the bloodline or Kechimiyaku that we copy as part of the transmission ceremony. The Rinzai ancestry is listed down one side, the Soto down the opposite side, coming back together in Dogen Zenji's name. And thus, so do we share Rinzai ancestry along with Soto. It is in our Zen DNA. In many modern cases, the lineages were mixed. And today, several American Zen priests are direct Dharma heirs of both Rinzai and Soto teachers. As we proceed from ancient history to more modern times, we are the beneficiaries of an accumulation of available teachings from these masters. Master Dogen was not the most prolific writer of his time but he is the most highly regarded, now considered the greatest thinker in the history of Japan, which is ironic as he emphasized non-thinking. And he left his students 
and Zen followers of today a veritable treasure trove in his Shobogenzo, Treasury of the True Dharma Eye. Then into the transmission in Japan we find Koen Ejo at number 52 was Dogen's immediate successor, who apparently devoted most of his career to collecting and codifying his teacher's prolific literary and spoken output, much as I have done, with a little help from my friends, for Matsuoka Roshi's literate legacy. At number 54, we find Keizan Zenji, who, a few generations after Dogen Zenji, spread his teachings widely throughout Japan and is credited with the establishment of many Soto Zen monasteries. He is sometimes referred to as the mother of Soto Zen in Japan, while Dogen is referred to as the father. After Keizan, the lineages split into many as he had many successors or Dharma heirs. The first number, 55, is Gasan Josek Zenji in Matsuoka Roshi's lineage. He would be considered Sensei's Dharma grandfather, which makes Keizan his great-grandfather. This is where the lineage becomes shockingly present, nearer to our times than we imagined. In the Kodo Sawaki lineage, which we also share, owing to my transmission from Shohaku Okamura Roshi, Meiho Sotets Zenji, in parentheses at number 55, would then be the Dharma grandfather of Okamura Roshi's Dharma father, Uchiyama Roshi, with Keizan Zenji being the common link to the ancients between our two lineages. Nearly 40 names after Dogen, at number 88, we find Zengak Soyu Daiosho, Sensei's Dharma names. The first name, Soyu, is given at initiation in Japanese Jukai. The second, or Gago, name comes with a later ceremony on the formal path in the Matsuoka lineage. In other lineages, both names are given at the initial ceremony. Zengak means Zen Mountain, I am told and Soyu is Sino-Japanese for one of the ten epithets of the Buddha, meaning something like controller of men, or one who is infallible in controlling men's minds. At number 87, we find Sensei's father's name. Mukai Sentoyu Daiosho Zengak Soyu Daiosho Zengak soyu daiosho, Zengak soyu daiosho. In chanting the Busarai, it is customary to chant your teacher's name three times at the end. We also ring bells with select outstanding names in the lineage, and sometimes with each name, making a bow with each bell. On my certificate, my name follows Sensei's. In the Sawaki lineage, it follows Okamura Roshi's. And my students' names, one at a time, follow mine. 
So my Dharma heirs, four to date, are all in the 90th generation. A connection between the two lineages we found on our latest journey to Japan is that Matsuoka Roshi would have been at Komazawa University at the same time that Koto Sawaki Roshi was a professor there. They would have practiced Zazen together in the same Zendo we sat in. All this recitation of the ancestor's name may have the unintended consequence of seeming to imply that I, your humble instructor, may have let this go to my head. I harbor no delusions of grandeur regarding this heritage, I assure you. In fact, it is humbling to even consider the magnitude of the effort of these 90 or so overlapping lives in transmitting the practice of Zen over so many centuries and through so many countries and cultures. It could not have been easy. If you do the math, 2,500 years divided by 90 names, you get an average span of about 28 years over a quarter of a century that it took for one teacher to hand this off to a student worthy of being a successor, to which the former entrusted the latter. The meditation that our teachers have handed down to us for 88 generations in a relatively unbroken face-to-face -face transmission is like this. This prajna paramita cannot be taught directly, but may be said to be the what of what has been transmitted through Zazen, beginning long ago in the forgotten fog of prehistory. I feel fortunate to find myself in a country where there is only about a hundred years of Zen to date. Some wag said, the first 50 to 100 years are the hardest. But I cannot imagine living in Japan, Korea, China, or India as a representative of Buddhism or Zen with all the weight of that tradition on my shoulders. Better to be in America, where there can be little to no expectations of what level of performance I should live up to. We cannot sidestep the responsibility of the legacy and lineage that we carry, but it is a light burden. We do not disregard the vast scope of the undertaking with a facile self-serving interpretation, nor do we throw our hands up in despair. Instead, we accept the impossibility of the situation and get on with it. We may not be able to save all beings, but we can at least try to do our best in all humility. We do not expect of ourselves, and our ancestors would not have expected of us, a faultless execution of our charge. As Master Dogen said, fall down seven times, get up eight. I will leave it to you to meditate upon why he did not say, get up seven. He also is said to have remarked that the Zen life is just one long mistake. We cannot succeed in Zen or any other endeavor without permission to fail. At least, that is my story, and I am sticking to it.
Unmind is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. You can support these teachings by PayPal to donate at STORDER.org. Gashou.